You're listening to the Parents of Hardworking Teens podcast, episode 17. And today I'm answering a question about maths questions in exams. In fact, this could be any kind of exam questions where your teen has to do calculations within a time limit. So this is one that you might want a pen and paper for or to even have your teen listen in on as well. So go grab one or both of those and let's do this. I'm Katie Jones, and with over 15 years in education as an award-winning high school teacher, international external examiner, and as a study coach, I've helped thousands of students skyrocket their results and confidence. And this podcast is where I share all my insights, tactics, and tips with you, the parent, so you can help your hardworking team get happy, smart, and successful in their study, and have you both enjoy the journey along the way. This is the Parents of Hardworking Teens podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, VIPs, wherever you are and whenever you're listening to this, I hope you are super well. It's early afternoon here as I'm recording this and after a bit of a grey damp morning, it has turned into a gorgeous day. We are just getting into spring here in Oz and it's felt like a long and wet and cold winter this year. Now granted, this is relative, very relative, because everything here is built to stay cool. So we kind of feel cold with anything below 20 degrees. Well, I do, at least. I am most definitely acclimatized to the Queensland weather. And we are definitely spoilt here, particularly on the Sunshine Coast. Even in winter, we usually get dry blue sky days where it still gets into the low 20s in winter. It's certainly not rocket science that a sun worshipper and cold hater like me has ended up here. But I know that all of you in the UK, along with the rest of Europe, have had a super hot summer and that your buildings are generally built to stay warm. So anyway, coming off the back of a wet summer and predictions of another one ahead and what has felt like a long winter. I am just really loving the sunshine right now. (laughs) So from sunshine to maths, I'm not going to try and come up with a neat little segue here. I'm just going to dive in because today we're talking maths exams. And actually, this is going to cover tackling any type of calculation-based questions. So it could be in science or economics or geography or anything where they're having to do calculations of some kind in exam conditions. Because amongst all of the great questions that I've been getting from you for our three Q&A monthly episodes... I've had a couple that have actually ended up leading me to do a full episode on things that you've asked about, and this is one of them. So this question is from Joyce, whose grandson is studying maths methods, which is the equivalent of A-level maths or maths analysis and approaches in the IB. And Joyce said... He just doesn't get the marks that indicate the knowledge he has. He's able to answer all the questions that the teacher asks during the lesson, but not so confidently or quickly or correctly during exams. Now, just quickly, (laughs) that part, quickly, I know is a factor that's a struggle for many students, especially in these higher levels of math. They can do the questions when time isn't limited, but doing it under time pressure both adds to the stress and the panic 
which impacts our ability to think straight, but also really does mean we simply need to work through things faster. And I can tell I've kind of drifted into the we here because time was definitely an issue for me as well when I did my A-level maths. But on reflection, I know that it was because I was making small slips along the way and then I would have to spend more time finding where they were, redoing parts of calculations when I ended up getting to a solution that clearly wasn't right. And that was in part because I wasn't thinking straight because I was panicking about the time pressure. (laughs) So back to Joyce, she goes on to say, In his recent exam, there were several questions which involved more than one maths concept in order to get to the answer. He seems to struggle with these. He might start off well, but loses his thought process after applying one concept. He thinks he's arrived at the answer then or gives up along the way. Do you have a structure or any tips you could share so we can get a structured approach for answering these sorts of questions? Well, Joyce, you know I love structure and steps. So let's get into this because I want to address this with some of the most common ways that I see students losing marks and sharing these with you, which includes some of the issues that Joyce mentioned. And like I said at the start, this could be for any types of questions that require calculations. So where I say maths, you can feel free to substitute in there chemistry or physics or whatever subject applies to your teen in this way. And although the question related to maths methods, these absolutely also apply to the lower year groups or the lower levels of maths courses as well. So basically what I'm saying is stay tuned if your teen is ever having to do any calculations in any exams. Now to sweeten the pot a little bit for you, because this is going to be quite a full on episode, I've also taken the mistakes and tips and strategies that I'm going to share with you here and have put them into a very handy one pager resource. So you can go to www.rocksolidstudy.com forward slash 17. That's 17 in digits. So forward slash 17 to get your free copy of that one pager resource. So Let's dive into the four most common ways I see students losing out on marks in maths exams and some specific tips, steps and must do's to make sure your teen doesn't lose out on those marks. Because here's the thing. Maths questions are sometimes straightforward, like solve this equation, but they can also be a lot more complex and tricky with like layers of information and worded requirements that go along with them. And it's often those worded parts, the wordy questions in maths exams that trip students up or catch them out. And it's also where there are usually some simple yet often overlooked extra steps or hints on getting more marks that they could and should be getting with the knowledge they already have and the revision or practice that they've already done. And what I mean by that is that they've done the hard work. So they know the concept or methods, or as Joy said, the concepts, (laughs) more than one that they might need to be using. And they do know how to apply them correctly. And they very often do it successfully in class or for homework. But for the reasons we've already talked about when it comes to exams, tests, or those more pressurized situations, 
They make little slips or simple mistakes that cost them those marks, and of course, cause that frustration when they get their paper handed back. So here is common maths mistake number one: it's stopping too early. So this is where those multiple steps or stages of working out a solution are required. And so, at some point along the way, your team gets to a solution or a part solution. It's not the final solution, but it's a solution. They complete a step, but likely because it's taken them quite a while just to get to that point, they think they've got to the answer. And they stop there and are already rushing to get into that next question because, of course, that time pressure is there. So here's what they can do instead to stop them making this mistake of stopping too early. As they figure out or decide at the very start, before they even get started on tackling the calculation, they decide what they're going to need to do. They jot down the actual steps on their paper, on the actual answer space on the exam paper, not on the rough working sheet, because they're likely going to forget to look at that as well along the way. So it would be find this, then that, and then add them. For example, now they can always cross that out at the end, put a line through it. But sometimes, if they state this clearly. That can even gain them some marks on its own if they don't eventually get to completing the full equation or the full process. You'd be surprised at what you can get marks for in math questions that are worth multiple marks. For example, just stating the correct trigonometry ratio or labeling up a diagram without then actually working out any calculations will often earn students a mark. And an added tip here is to. As well as stating the steps for themselves, at the bottom of the page, write out a line with the answer statement, with a space for the final figure, and with the stated units. So they have a constant reminder waiting for them of what they finally need to get to. So, for example, this could be the final speed equals and a gap for their answer, and then the unit. So maybe meters per second or whatever it is. Just so that they don't stop too early at having found, say, just the distance, for example, that they might need to feed in to the later part of that process. So they state the steps as soon as they've decided what they are, and then bonus, they write at the bottom the answer space and what format that answer should be in. And I've got lots more to say about stating final answers. <sighs> like right here in common mistake number two, which is. Rounding too early. If students round their answers at each step or stage of a multi-step calculation, there is a fair chance that their final result will be too far from the accepted range in the mark scheme for full marks. Now, if they try to write out everything instead in full at every step, and then have to type it all back into their calculator at every step, then they're going to be more prone to making little errors with those. So what they really need to do is get really good at using either the memory button or the previous answer button, or using brackets accurately on their calculator, so they avoid having to do that, but aren't rounding too early along the way. So getting really well practiced at using their calculator accurately and efficiently in this way is a skill that is definitely worth putting time into, and doing that will mean that they keep. The full and accurate numerical value at each step. They only round in whatever way is required at the very last step. 
Now, another error that's often made by students during their calculations is not noticing or not converting different units within a question. So this is common maths mistake number three. For any calculation of any kind, all figures or data being used in it must be in the same units. And it's easy to miss small but important details like this in a question when they're under exam pressure. But if a question has measurements of, let's say, both kilometers and also meters or minutes and seconds within a question, one or other of those units needs to be converted. And here is a little extra tip on this. Check what units the final answer needs to be given in. And then, unless it's clearly easier to work everything out in the other unit and then convert it at the end, choose that final unit to convert the others into. So let's say they've got information provided and some of it's in meters and some of it is in kilometers and it doesn't really matter which one they convert them all to, then look at what the final answer needs to be given as and use that as the core unit to do all the working out with. And that way, it's one less thing to have to convert at the end and one less step that may well be forgotten about like in mistake number one. So this brings us nicely to common maths exam mistake number four. Students not stating their final answer in the way the question demands. For example, the question might state that they give their answer in centimeters squared, but they've given it in millimeters squared because maybe that's what some of the units were in earlier on. Or they've given an answer in minutes when it needs to be converted to hours. Now, this usually happens because they are so focused on getting to the answer that they then forget what the wording was in the question for that final conversion. Now, I also see this a lot where students actually don't give units at all. They just leave it as the number in the answer. So they might have come out with the figure 2.8, but then they don't actually state it as an answer. So they will need to state something like, therefore, the length of the ladder is 2.8 meters or whatever it is that the question is asking about. Just leaving a number with no unit if there has been a scenario or context to the question and having no reference to that scenario may well leave them short of full marks, even if they have the calculation correct. So last but not least, the fifth most common mistake I see in math exams is similar to the last mistake in that it's often forgotten at the final stage of the answer. It's not giving the answer to the correct degree of precision. So unless otherwise stated, most exam boards say that students should give an answer to two decimal places. However, it is pretty common for the level of precision to actually be stated in the question. For example, it might say, give your answer to the nearest tenth or to the full nearest thousand, or even one that sounds more simple but catches a lot of students out is where there are a number of items. Like it might ask how many tins of paint are needed to paint the wall. And if the answer is 5.2, we'd likely think we need to round that down to five if we were just dealing with numbers. But because of the scenario that we're painting a wall, the painter is actually going to need six 
tins because five won't be enough. Even though we only need 5.2, five won't be enough. They'd have to buy the sixth tin to actually be able to complete the job because 5.2 are required. This often also happens when it's anything to do with population or number of people because we can't have 2.3 people. (laughs) But even when the questions aren't as sneaky as that, even when they are just numerical solutions, when students have gotten caught up in the whole process of working out and calculating, especially in a multi-step problem, it's easy to either gloss over or forget about an instruction beyond that calculation itself. So similar to mistake number one, where we can put the final step or completed statement at the bottom of the page to help prevent these mistakes. A tip I give to students for this is to write out that statement with the precision stated as well. For example, it might just be X equals blank, whatever it is they need to put in as their answer. And then next to it, we write two, three significant figures or to the nearest second. So they actually write that from the question at the bottom before they start as a place to put their final answer and as a reminder to themselves. Now, each of these things might sound pretty small on their own, but each of these mistakes are often responsible for students dropping even a full grade in an exam, not just a mark, but a grade, because it only takes, yes, one mark to drop or climb a full grade overall if your teen is hovering around a grade boundary, but also because a few of these small slips added together can actually make quite a significant difference. Either they miss a chunk of a question, like Joyce mentioned, by stopping too early, or they miss a mark here or half a mark there and done a few times on one paper, those do add up. And you might also be thinking that some of these little details sound a bit harsh to be marking students down on, but this is the reality of exam mark schemes and they aren't changing anytime soon. So we need to know exactly how they work in order to play and win at this game. So Have your teen check and double check in their next maths exam or whatever type of test they are doing that's involving some calculations that they are keeping all of the figures in full throughout all of the steps of a calculation and only rounding at the end and that they are getting to the very end of a multi-step process. Check that they're being careful with the units within a question and whether any conversions need to take place either before they start the calculation and maybe again at the very end so that they give their answer in the units required and be careful to round to the degree of precision required and state their final answer in relation to the scenario or the context if it is a worded question. So, like I said, I have pulled out these particular mistakes and my tips to overcome them from my 18 tips for tackling calculation-based questions resource. Now, if your teen is in Next Level Coaching or has previously been to or has access to the Exam Mastery Workshop, then they will have that whole full resource. But I have made this one-pager podcast resource so that everyone can grab these five for free. 
Just go to www.rocksolidstudy.com forward slash 17 or just tap on the show notes for that link in your podcast app and then download and print and have your teen stick them up for constant reference when they're doing their exam prep or revision or even better, have them go through and pick out just the top one or two that they really need to be aware of for them personally for them to really focus hard on have them even cut those ones out and stick them to their book or on their foreheads just joking just do whatever needs to be done until these small but mighty tips systems and strategies become routine and habit for them Because we don't actually want your teen having to consciously think about all of these on top of everything they're already thinking through and doing in the actual exam. We want them to become automatic steps. And this is exactly why I have Next Level Coaching, so that your teen can take all of the skills and strategies from the 10WGT and turn them into habits. So they're doing them accurately and automatically and having them pay off every time, but without having to always consciously think about them, have them filling up more of their memory space or thought processes. So Joyce, thank you so much for your questions. I hope that this has been helpful and I really hope that it's helpful to all of you podcast listeners and to your teens. Remember to go grab that one pager of tips, www.rocksolidstudy.com forward slash 17. And if you have a question that you would like me to answer on a future episode of the podcast, send it in an email with the subject line podcast question to support at rocksolidstudy.com. Have a brilliant week, everyone. I really appreciate you hanging out with me today. I hope that the sun is shining for you wherever you are. I am off for a dog walk now. Poor Bonnie did not get her walk this morning as, like I said, it did not start off so sunny. But I cannot wait to be back here with you again for another episode next week and I'll see you then you so much for listening. Make sure you head on over to www.rocksolidstudy.com and sign up for my free parent guide. The three huge mistakes even smart students make in exams and assignments and how to fix them immediately. And I'll see you back here next week. <laughs>